All right, we're back for another season preview with the Atlantic Division Locked On hosts, and we're very pleased to be welcomed by Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres. It's a team that really has caught my attention, not only with the rebrand, bringing in some sweet threads. Pilsy's excited for the goat head to make a return, but the on-ice product should be improved as well. Joe, how exciting was that summer for you, and what are expectations like in Buffalo right now? Boys, good to talk to you again, and yeah, it's been a fun it's been a fun offseason, relatively quiet among league standards, but uh, fans are happy. And if you ask fans that they were happy 12 months ago, 15 months ago, it was as as sorrow as you could possibly get. And now people are feeling hopeful. And I do think the jerseys are a part of that, especially fans of my generation. So I'm 26. I When I grew up, the Sabres were red and black. And you, there's some old timers around here that are still mad they did it in the first place. And you know what? If I was their age, I'd probably think the same way because the original Saber uniforms were perfect yep. and they should have never changed them, but they did. So you've got people like me that grew up with that as the Sabres. And it's, that's, you know, there's, uh, it's special to me and special to a lot of fans our age. And it's cool that they're not ignoring that era anymore. So uh, I think it's super cool that they're going back to those as the third jerseys. And yeah, like the off season was pretty low key, but they took steps that I think fans were okay with it being uh, low key. Well, you mentioned the Jersey matchup and the nostalgia. It just brings back the 06 and 07 playoff series for me between Ottawa and Buffalo. We're tied at yep. one right now. We need a yep. tiebreaker. Eh? I guess you guys got us <laughs> in 97, but whatever. That was Ottawa's first time ever in the right. playoffs, right? But uh, yeah, those two series were electric on both sides. I mean, that game one in 06 might be like the most epic playoff game it, back and forth. What was it? 7-6? I it's seven six it, that that is like it for I feel like for you guys it might be the other end of here in Buffalo Bills Chiefs from last year in the playoffs yeah where you lost but everyone around you is always like dude it's the greatest game I've ever seen in my life greatest game I've ever seen like I don't care if it's the greatest game I've ever seen in my life I we lost yeah. and I feel like that was that Senators Sabers game I think that was the best hockey game I've ever seen to this day just oh my god like it was at the end too it was. The Senators take the lead with a minute left, and then the Sabres tie the game. Or, excuse me, the Sabres tie the game with, like, a minute 30. I got it right here. We'll pull it up as you go through it. Look at the – look at the look when the time of the scoring in the third period. Yeah. So, Roy ties it with a minute 37 left. Smolinski and his stupid smile that I still have just – With the yellow synergy? Oh, just that – that guy grinning behind the net after scoring that goal just irks me so much. And then Connolly with twelve with eleven seconds left, and then they score in overtime. It, it was four goals in like two minutes of hockey. Yeah. So, oh, that game, man, was nuts. But you're right, the Senators got it back in 07. Uh, fun fact on that '97 series, by the way, I'm only two, so I don't remember it. <laughs> but I do know that it's the only game seven the Sabers have ever won in 53 years. The Sens have never won a wow. game seven. Yeah. Never won a game seven, really? Never. I mean, I we don't have fifty-three and... years of track record, right. but uh, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, I yeah, think they're I think... zero and nine in game seven. I think the Sabers are one in one and eight, maybe or something okay. like that. So, what? But they just got to meet in a game seven again. Someone's going to. Oh man, no! It'd sure. be great hockey. Th- those series. I mean, we talked about the one game, but that both series were unbelievable. And that's not even to say the regular season games. Everyone remembers the line brawl and then the rematch yes. they played right after in Ottawa and, and Peters and McGratton went in that game. It's just, yeah. I want that rivalry back. And it just hasn't been there for so long. Like, are we on track of getting this back? Because you said it's a low key summer for the Sabres. 
They mm. also had three first round picks and the first yeah. overall pick from last year only got a cup of coffee at the end of this season. He's due. Owen power is to have a big, well, I guess this will yeah. be his rookie. Year. I was going to say sophomore, but he's going to be arriving as well. I think we are tracking towards another potential rivalry between these two teams. And I do hope it happens because when they release those red and black uniforms and they showed that goat head logo next to that Senator's logo, yes. man, it really hit the feels. Cause when I was growing up, I mean, I'm 12 when those two teams are battling in 06 and 07 and the senators were the first team. I think I truly hated growing up. <laughs> I have no reason yeah. to hate them now. It's not a, a standing rivalry through the years, but at the time, man, Alfredson, Heatley, Spatza, dude, I oh, couldn't stand him. But now, like, you know, it's different. So two teams got to get good again. And I think the Sabres are tracking towards that. They are not there yet. And I don't think they'll be there this season. I think at best, we're talking about 23-24 being the first year where they are a playoff team. I think they could push for a playoff spot this year because, like you said, it's a lot of youth. It's a lot of rookies. They have two of the top, at least at one place I saw, two of the top five Calder nominees for rookie of the year this year. Owen Power is a co-favorite. Yep. And then I think Jack Quinn was maybe fourth in the odds at plus eight. Good Ottawa boy. Yeah. And he, by the way, his development has been through the roof. Fans did not like that pick when they made it. He and was one of our favorite uh, prospects of that. Yeah, remember really? we were on we were on the same mock draft together and we took him at five when we were right. doing that and everyone was laughing at us and now AHL Rookie of the Year. This kid's going to be an absolute well, stud. You guys won't mind who Sabre fans wanted instead. The only the biggest reason why no, everyone was kind of not even upset. It's an NHL draft. You can only get so upset because you don't know these guys super well. Fans don't. But they were a little perturbed because everyone wanted Marco Rossi. Everybody wanted Marco Rossi, and he was there. Yep. And he obviously has had some health concerns that have derailed his development a bit. And I think he still becomes a good player. But Quinn, man, I mean, he had one of the best AHL seasons in the last 15 years among players of his age. So the expectation is he'll step right in. I think he's in the top six and 20 goals. I don't think he's going to do, you know, point a game, crazy stuff, but I'm not ruling it out. Like if he's playing with Thompson, Tage Thompson, who they just re-signed to an extension. If he's playing with Dylan cousins, um, I think that potential is there and Owen power. It was only eight games, but man, he looked dominant at times when he was on the ice. But again, a lot of these difference makers, a lot of these guys are going to change the course of the organization are 19. They're 20. The three first round picks they just had are all 18. Like a lot of this is on the way and not quite here yet. So I would expect them to take another step this year, but it still feels a year too, at least one year too early for me to say, all right, yeah, they figured out what their core group is and it's going to work. Yeah, I, I've always had a soft spot for the Sabres uh, as fans of our show know. I'm a Dominic Cassick guy. And yeah, when they brought back the Goathead uh, jerseys, that's what came into my mind. And I followed Hassock to Ottawa. So I and, yeah. and I went to a bunch of Buffalo games. Like living in the Toronto area, it made a lot more sense to drive to Buffalo and you can actually get tickets rather than yeah. try to get into the ACC and pay an arm and a leg. So I definitely have followed along with the Sabres. And now... They're on similar trajectory as the Ottawa Senators. I think, like you said, they're a little bit behind. We just had the Ottawa Senators sign Tim Stutzla to a massive deal. You had a similar contract happen with Tage Thompson. But I think public reactions for both of those deals were very different. How do Sabres fans feel about making that commitment to Tage Thompson so so quick in his career? Well, he's had a couple more years than Tim Stutzla in the NHL, but so well, quickly after one good season. 
He has had a couple more years. He had a couple more bad years, right? Yeah. Uh, last year was great. Last year was, mm. I mean, holy cow. Could not believe it. Wrote him off completely as becoming anything. I really? We were talking wow. about this on our station WGR in Buffalo the other day, comparing Tage Thompson and Josh Allen as just stunning developments. So you could not believe what they become. And Thompson, like, we were nowhere. He was in the AHL. He was a part of a joke. The O'Reilly, the Orion O'Reilly trade was a laughing stock, and it's it still, yeah. it still kind of is. I mean, the Blues won a cup, so they certainly lost the trade. But there was a time where they had nothing to show for it, and Thompson showed up last year and just suddenly became a 38 goal scorer playing a brand new position. I think that's the biggest key, yeah. and I think that's why the Sabers felt very comfortable in giving him this contract. Fans, I think, were maybe a little bit more split. I was on the more critical side of it that you didn't need to do this right now. The reason why you would do this right now is you're betting on him having that season again. And if he has another near 40 goal season playing center, then you're paying a lot more than $7.1 million per year. And the Sabres are taking a risk, I think, by paying him now that if that does happen, we're going to be paying him two, two and a half million dollars less than we would in the future. So I think that was the reason why they did it. But I think the reason they felt comfortable in doing it is they've kind of wiped clean the first two seasons of his Sabres career. Three seasons, two of them were parts of, uh, were smaller parts of the season. And I think the biggest reason was no one knew how to coach this guy. And Don Granado, who has been a breath of fresh air, NHL coaches, you do not get this very often. Ever the word experimental? How often do you get that in NHL head coaches? <laughs> Never. Last time we happen. heard it was Ralph Pruger, and it was brutal. And oh, that did not actually happen. Everyone thought he was going to be that, and he was as old school conservative really? coach wow. as you could imagine. I like wow. the idea of Kruger because yeah. I thought it would be the flip end. Did not turn into that. Granado's been what we thought Kruger would be. Granado he, showed up and said, they're just going to put Sam Reinhardt at center. And it worked, and they traded him. But then Thompson, it's like, you know what? Yeah, he's 6'7", 250, and he's been playing on the wing. But in every coach throughout his entire development, college, AHL, early NHL career, has been trying to make Tage Thompson a power forward because of his size. Granado showed up and said, he doesn't know how to use his body. I don't care that he's 6'7". I'm going to use him like he's 5'9". Put him at center, scoring areas, let you do your your stick handling, your dangling. We'll, we'll get you in space and let you do whatever you want. And guess what? It worked. And I don't think a lot of coaches would have just given up on, yeah, you're fine not using your body. You're fine not using your size to your advantage. And Granado accepted that. Put him at center where you can get more open ice. And it worked. And I think the position change and the coach they have in place now is – the biggest reason why they think Thompson's production is repeatable. And Tage Tom, or sorry, uh, Don Granado was the US NTDP coach before. Is that where you guys got him from? Yes. Uh, I think he would have had one stop in between. He was on Kruger's staff as an assistant. I'd have okay. to look. I think he was maybe one stop in between, but before that, yes. Like, I think he made his mark as, the, as their coach, US NTT. Okay. So when I'm looking at Tage Thompson here, his first 145 NHL games. Not 18 good. goals Brutal. this past 78 games 38 goals hell he had 24 goals in 37 games after the all-star game uh this past yeah. season and watching the highlights of them 
How many of them are just catch and shoot short side? Like this he, guy's shot is his best attribute, eh? He's a he's a real life bubble hockey player. I mean, really, <laughs> with the long gets, stick too. Yes, literally. He he gets the puck, he spins, and he shoots. Uh, he got better carrying the puck. He got better in a lot of different ways, but the shooting is where it. I mean, that's where the value came. That's where everyone got excited because he's still a very bad defensive player, even though he's not as egregiously bad as he used to be. He's a better transitional player. He's a better zone entry man than he used to be, but he's still not great at it. He's a better playmaker, but 30 assists. I mean, this is why he's been their number one center just because he's the only guy last year. You're not going to be a number one center in the NHL getting 30 assists. That is not going to happen. So playmaking's caught up, but it's still not great. The shooting and the shot percentage is what is a little bit scary to me. And that's why I think I would have taken the risk that he does have that season again, which at that point you're still happy and you pay him the extra 2 million bucks just to make sure, because that's a scary, scary jump in shooting percentage. It, it almost doubles. And I can see him regressing in a big way this year, not to where he was. I don't think he'll ever regress to where he was because of the new role he plays, the coach yeah. he's got, and the teammates he plays with. I don't think he'll ever go back to that. But he could have 22 goals this year and 50 points. And again, like, that's fine. That's a useful top six player. It is not a $7.1 million player, though. So I, I guess I'm half-assing it a little bit. I think that there could be regression coming, and the contract is a little bit too soon. But at the same time, I don't think it was completely – crazy out of the blue that the Sabres decided to give him that deal. So you said you, you feel like the Sabres are maybe a year or two away from kind of hitting their point. Is, is the biggest thing just waiting for this draft capital to kind of graduate and be ready? Or are there more major holes in the organization that are really still a yeah. roadblock here? I would say it's pretty much the draft capital. Yeah. Um, in part because the holes are being planned to be filled by kids. Yes. I think I don't really think there's many spots where they're thinking, okay, we'll go address that with a trade. We'll address that with free agency. Um, the blue line is developing very nicely. I think if this team gets good, I don't think they get good like a, like a Colorado for sure, or an Edmonton or one of these teams that's driven by superstar talent up front. I don't think, I honestly think Jack Quinn and Matthew Savoy, the, the kid they just drafted ninth overall, yep. they have the two, they have the most upside of anybody they got. So I'm open to them becoming star players like that, but they're not going to be McKinnon's. They're not going to be McDavid's. I think if this team gets good, it's going to look like Carolina. It's going to look okay. like a, just a possession team that the blue line just smothers you, makes no mistakes. Every pass up the ice is tape to tape. Darlene's development last year, I think, really opens the door to that potential with power there as well. And Matias Samuelson, who's not going to ever, I think, be a big name around the league because he's very defensive um, and he doesn't put up a lot of points. That dude was so solid last he's year. He's ripped, and, eh? Oh, he's huge. He's ripped. He's physical. He's yeah. like the perfect modern-day physical defenseman. Not not just a guy that, oh, the only thing he does is I'm going to bully these guys out from the front of the net, cross-check them, make it really – make him pay in the corners. He could do all that, but he is such a good passer. He is so smooth. He's never under pressure. Uh, it seems like he's under pressure in his own end. And I think his development as, like, the number three in the pecking order right now in the organization has allowed, with Darlene too, and power, to – 
be open to the idea that this team could get good just how their blue line gets so strong. And then up front, it would have to come in depth. Um, yeah, a lot of these kids, like you mentioned, like we're waiting on Jack Quinn. I think that'll happen this year. J.J. Paterka might arrive this year. And the three kids they just drafted in the first round, Yuri Kulich, Noah Oslin, and Matthew Savoy, get three of those guys to develop into impact players. Three of those five. And then I think you got a pretty deep forward group. Your blue line looks pretty strong. And finally, the most important thing that who knows who it's going to end up being, goalie. No clue. Ask me three years from now who their goaltender is. I, I Craig Anderson. It's probably not Craig Anderson, <laughs> but I don't want to rule it out. Uh, I could list seven guys off. It Maybe even Eric Comrie, who they just signed off of Winnipeg. But yeah, I like probably, it. I like yeah, I like him too. I think he was a good idea for them this year. Yeah. Their plan is probably that one of the kids turns into it, though, like a lot of their holes. Uka Pekalukin and Devin Levi. I think they're banking on one of those two kids turns into a franchise goaltender um, with some openness to Comrie can become that, but um, 27, it's a little less likely. So that's the story though. It's waiting for kids to show up to plug a lot of these holes. I like that. Levi's unreal. Obviously we know him a little bit from the Ottawa area. He played a year in uh, Carlton place, which uh, junior, I think he had one of the best seasons all time in Carlton place. I think he's like 37 and one. That's where he would have been drafted from, right? So right before I think college. so. Yeah. Let yeah. Let's see here. I know Alfie. You can hear him in the background. Big Devin Levi supporter. <laughs> I think he's saying that, it, that he's saying yes. I think that's thirty four two and one with a nine forty two save percentage in, in junior A, and obviously only only getting in at that level was uh, drafted two hundred twelfth overall. But he's looked even better at Northeastern this past year. Nine fifty two save percentage Crazy. in thirty two games. Now he's just. I guess the one knock on him then is that he's six feet nothing. And for a goalie, that is a bit of a concern, but he his athleticism seems elite. I saw a couple of the highlights he was making at, at Sabres dev camp, just oh, reaching yeah. pucks off the goal line. This kid looks like he could be the real deal. He's going back for one more year at Northeastern though, isn't he? He's going back for one more year. And then I'd be stunned if he's not on the same. Well, oops, let me rephrase that. I'd be stunned if he doesn't sign his pro contract next year. Right. I could see him starting the year in Rochester in the AHL. Um, but I think he's going to sign. He, he he was even like in the owner's box with the Sabres owners at, I think, the U.S. Open last week. Like, he's got a relationship <laughs> wow. with the Pagulas. So, I, I, there's been some thought of – they have another goalie prospect, Eric Portillo, who's been the starter for that Michigan yeah, Super Michigan. Team. Okay. And he's a nice I, prospect. He was does he wear the C? Have I seen photos of him wearing the C? You see that with goalies sometimes in college. Might. I always get a laugh out of that. Anyways, hashtag goalie-friendly show. I, I don't know, but he's about to leave. I mean, he undoubtedly, I think the writing's on the wall. He knows Levi's crushing it. He knows Lukanen's here. They just drafted another second round goalie and he's going into his final year of eligibility. He's going to leave in free agency next year, college free agency. And I think that has a little Sabre fan spooked because this just happened three years ago or four years ago with the Sabres with Cal Peterson, two goalies in four years that were the number one goalie prospect in the organization that left. And I think that as Sabre fans spooked of Devin Levi is going to do the same thing. But the difference is Levi broke out his freshman year. Cal Peterson, it took him till his junior year. Portillo, it took him till his junior year. Levi broke out as a freshman. He'd have to play. He'd have to bypass three years of pro contracts, not one, three years of pro contracts. And because of that relationship with the Pagulas, I think he is on the Sabres next year in the organization probably not the nhl 
Interesting. Just to correct myself, it was Strauss Mann, the goalie at Michigan before, but we got to pull oh. up the setup. Look at that setup is absolutely unreal. unreal. Do, we, do we want With that the in the speed? NHL? Do we like that in the NHL? No, goalies probably not. It looks cool no. for college, though. Yeah, it looks awesome. I mean, he's got like the football helmet design on the on the bucket too, and that that's, that's an elite setup. setup. Yeah, oh, so yeah. good. So Shout good. out Strauss, man. That's what we do here. Get way off topic. That was. I mean, I still have a couple <laughs> more Sabers questions. We'll save that for the very end. I'm going to get an X Factor player and someone who could help your fantasy team if you've got a draft coming up. Maybe an under the radar player. But Joe, you got any questions for us on the Sens? I, I want to ask you guys about that Tim Stutzla contract that was signed. $8.35 million, eight years, and it's only been one full season with the Senators. You compared it to the Thompson contract earlier, and we mentioned the differences, right? That Thompson has been in the league a few extra years. Stutzla is younger by, I think, four years. But I don't know. Does it feel like that contract needed to happen right there? Were you surprised that that deal happened that quickly? Well, we were surprised. I think that's fair to say. No one expected that because Tim Stutzla still has one year left on his entry-level contract. And typically, when you're leaving an ELC as a highly drafted guy and you get brought in a 40-plus goal scorer and a veteran in Claude Giroux that still produces points, you might want to wait to make your first big contract ever because your value is going to go up. So we weren't ready for that. We are anticipating Timmy was going to have a massive year and then demand a big contract after maybe a bridge deal, something like that. But where the difference was is it really sounds from all accounts that Tim Stutzla is the one that went to his agent and said, Hey, let's get a deal done now. I just want to focus on playing hockey. I want to be here a long time. And having him come in at just a hair over Brady Kachuk is now the highest paid player in, in salary on the Ottawa Senators. It seems fair. I don't. I haven't seen a single sense fan that has had an issue or said this is too much too soon or anything like that. Because similar to what you were saying, Joe, with Tage Thompson, Tim Stutzla had started the NHL as a left winger and things were not going well. And we wanted him to be a centerman. It was just kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, he's young. Let's start him at the wing. We'll get him to center later. When he made that switch to center, everything changed. It didn't happen right away. But you could see that he needed to be a guy that's skating with the puck, that can roam freely, that can bring the puck up the ice with transition, that can pass and shoot and have those options. And that's when things changed because the latter half of the season, Tim Sosa just went off. I mean, he was a point-per-game guy in the last 32 games of the year. So mm-hmm. really, the Senators are banking on a lot of upside. And the fact that they now have, can add Stutzla to their collection of Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson and Tom Shabbat all locked up and in their primes. The value of that is just immense. So I don't think any Sens fans are, are kind of worried that, hey, why did this happen so soon? And why is it so much money? It's it's pretty optimistic, to be honest. Yeah, and also, if the highest pick of the rebuild doesn't pan out, it's probably screwed anyway, so you may as well bet <laughs> on them. Yeah, right. sure. That makes sense. Uh, how about expectations for this season? Because I would imagine it would get ramped up a little bit just simply on the fact that they traded for Alex to and for the fact that they signed Claude Giroux. And that's the difference that's I think not present here. The Sabres didn't make moves like that to get better and to add to the group right away. They might be a year away from their Giroux signing. They might be a year right. away from their Patty Kane game. coming home. Right. We, we brought Giroux home. I feel like Kane would be, would be awesome there. It's not going to be by trade, but. I do think there's a very good chance that happens in free agency next year. It's fun, man. Yeah. We just experienced it. But like, 
I would imagine those signings increase or raise the bar. I mean, they have to, right? Like, does what's the step forward look like if they go up? What were they last year? Seventy four three points. Is that the number? I just had yeah, seventy three. And and bet online set the over under at seventy three and a half, or no, seventy six. And they yeah. it was seventy six and a half. They were a half point under their over under start the year. So I guess with those signings in mind, what's successful? Is an eighty point season successful? If they no, go up by I, seven points, if they I don't go up think by, so. Like is eighty five successful? I guess where would the where would the bar be for you that they got to clear that, especially because they made those those moves? Yeah, they have to be playing meaningful hockey in the last month of the season, and they haven't been playing meaningful hockey in the first three months of the season. The last yeah. two years straight, they've won four out of their first twenty games. You're done. Wow. You're done. And. I know there was outside circumstances with COVID running through the team. I think at one point they had 11 regulars out of the lineup, and this was before the NHL was was postponing games like it was going out of style. But you still have to win your games. I think it was the Islanders and Sens that kind of suffered from that the most at the start of the year. But they, they couldn't bounce back. I think this was about a 500 team at the end of the year. But it kind of goes back with expectations to signing Tim Stutzla to this extension. Last year's most common line mates were Alex Formanton and Connor Brown. Solid middle six guys. I think they're good third liners. And we already know DJ Smith said that starting this year, it's Tim Stutzla between DeBrinket and Giroux. So he's getting a complete makeover with his line mates. And if you had told me after watching Stutzla play the last year, who are the ideal line mates for him? I don't think you could pick two better. A, a veteran who is so strong in the puck and a solid playmaker in Claude Giroux. And then a guy who just needs a millisecond to get his shot off and and and, and uh, Alex Debrink at a two-time 40-goal score at 24 years old. And there's some risk in that trade with only one year left. And I know he's restricted for one more year, but probably this summer you make a decision long-term one way or another whether he's going to be a part of this core. Or the good news, though, is if you can work out a, a trade where he's going to agree wherever he goes, you probably recoup the value of two draft picks. Well, three, mm-hmm. I guess, if the third round yeah, if not more, exactly, if he if he inflates his value playing alongside these two guys. Now, I know his highlight reel last year is riddled with Patrick Kane highlights in it as well. So it will yeah. be interesting to see how that um, in itself plays out. But expectations in Ottawa, like, they skate at the, it's called the Sensplex, right around the corner mm-hmm. from the arena. And it's been like shoulder to shoulder with fans watching these informal summer skates. So there, there is just a, a whole new level of excitement that the Sens haven't seen. And I think it's something like, you know, they're beaten and battered. And now there's this light shining from outside. They're, everyone's just kind of running towards it full steam ahead because this has been a tough team to watch over the last few years. And not only that, it's been tough to be a fan because name your favorite player, they've been traded. There's only right. one pl- – there's nobody left from the 2017 playoff run. There's more oh, players yeah. in Buffalo than there are in Ottawa from that 2017 <laughs> Senators run. Really? Yeah. And and once they traded Pajot, it was kind of – that was it for that old uh, phase. I guess the 2019 trade deadline, they also moved uh, Mark Stone and, and all that. So yeah. it, it's, uh, it's a completely new era. But these young kids, man, they've taken the bull by the horn. They're all buddies. Like Pierre Dorian got kind of in trouble when – he said after the Eric Carlson trade, they're like, so tell us about Josh Norris. And the first thing he said was, well, he's Brady Kachuk's best friend. So <laughs> kind of like selling yeah. him as, as a, a friend. But then he goes out, wins AHL Rookie of the Year, which obviously you know a thing or two about with Jack Quinn, and then mm. comes into the NHL. And people will say, yeah, he shot 20% last year. That's probably not going to happen again. Mm. This guy shot 18% his last year in college and 17% as a full season mm. in the AHL. 
some guys, like just like Tage Thompson shot 15, these guys are shooters. So I think that we could expect it to potentially regress a bit, but the depth of this team has allowed the expectation to extend past just competing for a spot. I think there's a lot of fans who are saying playoffs are bust. I'm not quite there yet. I think you mm-hmm. need one more year. Jake Sanderson, just like Owen Power, is a guy who's kind of going to come into his own. How much is too much too soon? That'll be a big factor. And the D course still has a couple pretty big holes in it. And goaltending, I like the Cam Talbot addition. I think Anton Forsberg really came onto the yeah. scene last year, signed a reasonable contract. But up front, they're going to score a lot of goals. I know that much, and the rest will kind of have to play out into how successful this team can be. It feels like at the very least they're going to be fun. Like It'll even fun. if they're not, if, yes. if they, you know, like you like you said, I think we're kind of in the same boat here. Is just get me to March still yeah. having games we care about. Um, Cause that hasn't happened here either in like eight years. So that makes sense, but it feels like the, you, a lot of the talent is up front. They have talent on the back end too. Um, but I, is any part of this uh, a showcase for Debrinket? Is that kind of a narrative that you kind of want to show him that like, Hey, you should sign up for this and being a part of this locker room and the season they would have, if it goes well, and they're competing for a playoff spot that, you know, that's how you get to bring it to sign a long-term deal versus if it all kind of hits the fan and doesn't go well, then maybe he's more likely to say, yeah, I'm just going to sign a one-year deal and then go to free agency. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Like, uh, honestly, even yesterday, uh, it was supposed to be Alex Dabrinkett's press welcoming to the Ottawa centers that was supposed to be the big splash of the day and then Timmy signs an eight-year deal and people are asking <laughs> Alex to bring it kind of like okay what like you're next like you're gonna sign long term and he's like well I kind of just got here like I'm not about to do that just yet everybody right. slow down and we all kind of had to check ourselves being like Pierre Dorian can't just sign every single player to a uh, massive long-year deals here it's not always going to work out like that but I think a big tie for Alex to possibly wanting to stay in Ottawa is looking at it sounds weird to say but you got to look at the cap structure sometimes be like look this is a team where they can actually fit everyone in they can actually make this work it's not just guys getting high dollars and we're get bounced in the first round of the playoffs like uh, some teams we know but Mm -hmm. there's actually a (laughs) structure here that can sustain this yeah there it is there's the leaf we ask everyone actually Joe who's your favorite Gotta love it. Um, ooh, let's take a look here. Uh, I think I like Matthew's black jersey, kind of in the center on the right yeah. here. Yeah, he brought his girlfriend. A bit. He brought, brought his girlfriend. girlfriend. He, he, he told her it was going to be different this year. He was almost. He almost seems like he's trying not to react. He's trying not to show her that he cares too much about this. But inside, he's like just burning up inside. I think. I think. I think I might want to pick him out. Oh, actually, wait. Change my gut mind. Uh. Three guys over on the right. Hand to the forehead. He cannot believe this yeah, that's is happening a good one. again. He cannot believe this is happening again. Oh, There's a great video out there of the... It's just literally a fan cam that someone put up on their TV for the for the Leafs-Bruins Game 7, whatever that was now, seven years yes. ago, them blowing yes. the lead. And just watching their faces as the, as the lead goes yep. down and down and down, and then they lose. It's just... Oh. We can at least we can share some common ground here, and that we very much enjoy Leaf fan misery. 
Oh, yeah. We get a lot of every year. It's a yearly occurrence. Every year. We call this the leaf pile. Instead of Maple Leaf Square, it's the leaf pile. (laughs) And right under TB, if you go underneath the guy with the white shirt, that girl looks like she just saw God. (laughs) That's good. There are so many good ones here. Anyways, neither here nor there. But whenever the leaves get brought up, we have to pull that up and have a good laugh. Pilsy, sorry for interrupting. All good. I, th- I think that uh, kind of sums it up is uh, he-, he can take a look at the Sens, be like they're built different than the Leafs and uh, okay. there could be some longevity here. But I mean, also a guy like him is going to command a massive, massive contract uh, next, unless they do some sort of short-term bridge deal. Like let's let's try to squeeze you in the window here. But yeah, Alex Abrincat is definitely going to be the more uh, intriguing contract that's going to come up here. I think listening to all this about the Senators and like just the sim- similarities to what's going on here, it feels like three years from now, Boston's going to be, they have to be done by then, right? Like just they're too old. Yeah. Three years, they have to be done. Tampa is probably still very good, but Kucherov will be 34 by then. Like a lot of their guys will be aged. So they might be like Pittsburgh where we're kind of waiting for it to happen, but it hasn't happened right. yet. Yep. Um. And then Toronto, I mean, who knows, right? Like the cap and like who who knows where they're at. Feels like you've got three teams between the Sabres, the Red Wings, and the Senators. They're all young and have a lot of reason to believe they are they they're ready to make a jump. Ottawa a little closer, maybe Detroit's a little closer than Buffalo too, but all reasonably should expect within a year or two we can make that jump to competing for a top three spot in the Atlantic. There's not going to be room for all three though. Like Florida is going to be good. Toronto is probably still going to be good. I don't know what Boston's next build looks like. We'll see how fast they can do it. And Montreal will come at some point, but they're probably behind. Um, it feels like you've got three teams that all have reason to believe they can take a step. And I don't think all three, there's not, I don't think there's room for all three to make a step. Right. Well, it's going to make the division that much better. Right. And then you're losing points within it because you're playing the more than the metropolitan. So I think that yeah. that kind of ma- makes to your point where it's like, geez, uh, who, who's the odd man out? But my favorite storyline, speaking of that, is the three defensemen on those teams, all up and coming. Jake Sanderson, Owen Power, and Edvinson. We got a Canadian, an American, and a Swede. Yep. Like, how would you handicap and, that race? And Moritz Sider. Don't forget about yeah, Moritz Sider. True, true. I just figure he's already established, but he is that's, super that's right. young still. Yeah. Power, it, it, I'm definitely coming from a biased standpoint here because I've watched more of Power than the others. But, mm-hmm. dude, I, Hedman. He's Hedman. Yeah. I mean, that's if he's if he turns into what he's supposed to turn into, it's going to look like Victor Hedman. Um, so I I would maybe pick him, but again, I mean, first guy, of all, the guy pick, Buffalo, that's I'm fair. The guy, I'm the guy in Buffalo, so yeah. it's hard to not answer with power, I guess, right now. No, hundred percent. Yeah, him and Edvinson obviously have the size advantage, whereas with Sanderson, it's just all skating. He's just so smooth out there. But yeah. it's going to be awesome, I think, to watch that storyline develop over the upcoming seasons. I want to finish off today's show with some predictions. We're going to look at our bet online totals. Are the Sabres over or under in terms of a total number of points? Joe DiBiase is here with us. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well as at Locked on Sabres. You can go subscribe to Locked on Sabres on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I believe the Sens and Sabres meet a few times in a row but not for a little while. Let's see here. The Quick Sens start. are the Sabres' home opener, right? Right, right. Sorry, but I yes. meant after that. No, there are actually two games early on. So we're absolutely going to do a crossover right before the opening night of the season, October 13th in Buffalo. Then they'll be in Ottawa on November 16th. And then 
January 1st, New Year's Day. Nurse your hangover with a nice little matchup. And then just like they start the season, October 13th, mm-hmm. on April 13th, they close the season. Buffalo yep. versus Ottawa. So I think that'll be interesting. I think that's the game where we get the goat head versus the 2D. I think it is. I think Unreal. What a, way, what a way to finish it Playing wow. for a playoff spot, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> no better way to get into the predictions. Um, what What is your prediction for the uh, Sabres? Like you said, they're kind of a year or two away. It's just yeah. playing meaningful hockey down the stretch. Like, Are you expecting a top 10 pick, or are you going to be somewhere in that mushy middle? I think probably in the in the middle. I would somewhere between 10 and 15. Um, they finished with 76 points last year. I think there's plenty of reasons to think that they have a lot of young guys and a lot of pieces that are going to be added from the development track that they'll take a step forward this year. And even though there's still big question marks in net, I think they're going to be better in net because they were coming from just Craig Anderson. And Anderson's still here, and he was good last year, as good as you could ask for. A lot of the advanced metrics tell you he wasn't as good as some of the surface numbers. Um, and I might want to echo that. He was – there's a difference between you exceeded the expectations and you were a legitimate starting goaltender. Yeah. Anderson certainly exceeded expectations. He is not a starting goaltender at 41 years old, which who should expect him to be <laughs> at this point. But now you've got Eric Comrie, who among free agents – had the best numbers. The problem was the sample size was so small. But he outranks Dustin Tokarski. <laughs> Dustin Tokarski was Craig Anderson's d- partner all year in goal. Dustin Tokarski hadn't been in the NHL in seven years. He had been in the AHL. They literally are going from a career AHL journeyman to intriguing backup that maybe he's got some chops to be a starter. I think that automatically will give them an upgrade in net. And that's if Ukapekalukanen doesn't just show up halfway through the season yep. and say, Hey guys, I'm good already. I'm ready to go. Cause he might be a couple of good weeks in the AHL away from taking Anderson's spot. Um, so I think the upgrade in goal and big upgrade in goal, big got rid of that goal. loser Aaron Dell. Yes. Uh, yes. Also dude, he was not a fan favorite here. <laughs> it's good. Same. That, that <laughs> holy cow, that hit so bad. Um, and the blue line will be better with power inserted and Darlene and Samuelson being a year older, a year more experienced. Uh, I would put them around like 82, 83 points. I would take the over on that 77 and a half points. I don't think they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot right to the very end. I wouldn't have them playing important games in March, but I'd have them playing important games in February. At, you know what they'll be? Midway through February, all the Sabre fans are going to be around here going, you know, if they put a seven-game win streak together, they're right back in it. I think we're going to be hanging around that territory uh, in the spring. So that's better. That's a step forward, but I'm not quite at their – they're pushing for play, a playoff spot in the final weeks of the season. So yeah, with that, the Buffalo Sabres over-under – at Bet Online, our friends over at Bet Online, betonline.net, betonline.ag, is set at 77 and a half points. That's a lot better. Last year it was opening at 69 and a half points. Ooh, yeah. Taking the over or the under on that total? I, I am going to take the over on that. I think that number is a little low. That would be stagnant. That would be plateauing. They were at 76 points last year. Um, I think there'll be a few wins better uh, just on the goaltending and the blue line uh, from last year and Jack Quinn from last year to this year. Um, so I would take the over. Ottawa, by the way, are they 86 and a half at bet online? I saw a really high number for them. 
Yeah, well, I'm still hammering the over on that. I I, okay. I think they're a 90-point team. I, I really, really do. And I think that if we're going to quickly do an under, I, I put like 10 units on the under for the Florida Panthers. 105 and a half points for the Florida Panthers. I'm not saying they're a bad team. Uh-huh. But, but for me, that's that's the most egregious one. But I, I think the Sens will be right around 86. I think that to make the playoffs, you got to be closer to 95 than, yep. than 85. And I think that, Hopefully there's a final push in the, in the season and that they can get that number closer to 90. But again, you're talking to a bias Ottawa guy. Uh, I just want to see late, late game action or late season action uh, pretty well. Pilsy, are you on the over or the under on them? I'm on the over on that. And I think, um, I think you had a fair evaluation of Buffalo Joe and where I think the senators are different in their upgrade this year is Buffalo did make some upgrades, but while Buffalo made those minor upgrades, other teams in the Atlantic had been making bigger upgrades to kind of raise that bar even higher. So, so where I think the Sens are different is they made the biggest upgrades, I would say, in the division. So they're able to compound those onto where they were already at. Guys like Norris Stutzla uh, getting a year older, a year more experience. Having two solid veteran goalies to rely on throughout a season is massive. So I got them at, yeah... I would say close to 95 points. Like I'm going 92, 93 points. I think either they miss a wild card spot by a game or two, or they squeak into the final wild card spot on the final game of the season. Like that's where I, that's where I'm at. Like this season will hinge on the last three games of the season for the Ottawa Senators. By the way, bet online the Rocket Richard Trophy odds that they got up: Tage Thompson plus 6600, Jack Eichel plus 6600. Interesting. <laughs> I hammer what what's the brink at at I know I hammered him uh, to win the Rocker Richard award this he year. He is I saw him on here. I think he was higher. Yeah, he's oh yeah, he's way higher. Uh plus 1800. Whoa. So he is 8th in the odds. Same odds as eighth. David pa- David Pasternak. Same odds Jeez. as David Pasternak. Yep. Only wow. behind Kyle Connor, Kep- Kaprizov, Ovechkin, McDavid, Drysdale, Matthews. That's, That's funny you say that because I've been using and obviously living in Winnipeg, it's probably a little bit of a lazy comparison, but I see a lot of Kyle Connor in, in Alex Debrinket in the way that they're just kind of quick shot offense, very fast yeah. and speedy through the neutral zone. Hey, by the way, last time a skilled winger left Patrick Kane, uh, Artemi Panarin became a pretty damn yeah. good player. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pretty good True. I mean, we tried grabbing uh, we tried grabbing Kane center once. That didn't work out with old Artem Anisimov. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> don't be too hard on the Artie party. He the did Artie what he had to party. do when he was here. Yeah. Man, that guy was a mammoth of a man. Seeing him in the concourse one time when he was a healthy scratch. Yeah, anyways, he had that sick year with uh, with Patrick Kane. But, and I, I'm cheering for Patty Kane to come to Buffalo. I think it would be a yeah, great storyline. By the way, quick uh, shout out for all your Senators fans, uh, listeners. Uh, Sabre fans still hate Peter Schaefer. Just a heads up. Because he, <laughs> he destroyed Tim Connolly's career with that hit in 06. Um, I'm not even sure that's a famous hit. It's really not. It's probably no, not going to say that one. I thought it was going to yeah. be Chris Neal, obviously, started the whole oh, well, brawl. I mean, come on. Everybody hates Chris Neal, right? Well, never I, suspended. Outside of Ottawa. Never, never suspended. Definitely, never. A, vil- definitely how, a villain here. Chris Neal. How many games would he have got for that hit on Drury if it happened this year? Oh, my God. Ten? I was going to say ten. I was going to say ten. That's the same exact number I was thinking. Ten, ten games? He'd be yeah. going to the league office for sure. I don't know how he didn't. He should have at least gotten yeah. a game or two for that at the time. Yeah, that was. But that was listen, crazy. Tim Connolly. I, I, I'm sure about anything in my life is that Tim Connolly was on his way to winning the Conn Smythe Trophy uh, wow. before he, on his own fault, like it wasn't the, that dirty a hit. It was a little bit uh, on the line, maybe. 
head down coming across the middle, and he just got just got head taken off out for the rest of the playoffs. So no that's, that's a tough, tough pill to swallow looking back. But yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And I always just remember Peter Schaefer's having the weirdest curve in yeah. uh, in team history. Really. Like you've okay. seen here, I've actually got, if you type it in on, on Google, it comes yeah. up right away. I've never seen such a heel curve in my life. Now we're getting inside, inside baseball here, but uh, <laughs> look at that thing. Like, what the hell is that? That's that... very weird. Wait yeah. for it. <laughs> I, what is even in that? Like, the end? Why? Yeah, it's, what was it's... The reasoning behind that? I have no idea. Just being an absolute weirdo. Well, we've uh, already got all yeah. your listeners are punching the, the steering wheel in their car, <laughs> even talking about Peter Schaefer. So tell me about uh, an X factor. If they're going to push for a playoff spot, I have a feeling I might know where you're going with this one, but who's the X factor here for you for the Sabres to have a successful season? I, You know, I could easily go with Power, Quinn, the top prospects that are jumping right. up this year, Comrie, Lukanen. I think there's at least some expectation they'll all be at least pretty productive. So I could answer them because the ceiling is so high, but they're all going to be a part of this in some way. I think X factor, I might go a little deeper and answer with a prospect that not everybody knows about in JJ Paterka. Um, Second round pick of the Sabres in that Jack Quinn draft class two years ago. He actually has had as good, if not better at times, production in Rochester yep. as Quinn has. They're very different types of players. Quinn, Quinn's become a nice, well-rounded offensive player, actually. So I shouldn't really say he's a one-dimensional shooter. But the reason why he was drafted where he was is his finishing ability and scoring goals. Um, Paterka is just a thousand miles an hour through the neutral zone, carrying the puck in, setting guys up. And it, it looks, it jumps off the page when you watch him skate. And his development has just been a, a marvel. He was amazing in Germany his first year after the draft. And then last year, he I have to look up exactly where he was, but I think he was just about a, a point of game uh, for Rochester. And he is like on the fence of whether there's room for him to make the team. Quinn probably has a spot in pencil for him. Paterka's probably got to earn it. But here's the thing. He, he's 68 points, by the way, in 70 regular season games, 12 points in 10 playoff games. So... 80 points in 80 games. If you include playoffs and regular season for Paterka at 20 years old, he earned a spot last year. Everyone around here was like, he earned a spot, but they sent him down anyway, because they knew we're not keeping the second round prospect up here the whole season. We're going to probably send him down in a week anyway. So let's send him down now. All he's going to do is earn it again. I think he's on the team, but again, it's a little iffy right now, whether he's even on the team, if he could show up, and give them a third rookie that is producing night in and night out, I think that's a big X factor, given that this team is still lacking for stardom when it comes to the forward group. So I'll I'll go deeper even than Quinn and Power, and I'll uh, I'll answer J.J. Paterka as their, their big X factor this year. Well, I was just going to say a lot of Sens fans were, were super intrigued by the name J.J. Paterka after taking Timmy in that draft. They're like, yeah. let's just bring the band back together. Everyone knew that Pierre Dorian loves connections. We mentioned yeah. the Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk's best friend. So uh, they ended up taking Roby Jarventi, I think the pick before uh, Paterka went to, to Buffalo at 33rd. Uh, or 34th in that draft overall. So uh, interesting kind of parallel there between the two teams. Paterka, yeah, looks like an absolute stud. Pilsy, who do you have for the Ottawa Senators X-Factor this year? I'm going to keep uh, the same X-Factor that I gave to the Locked On Red Wings crew, and 
that's Drake Batherson. I think he often gets uh, lost in the shuffle and uh, NHL kind of industry people that aren't diehard Sens fans. Cause you think of the Norris's, the Kachucks, the Stutzlas, the Thomas Shabbats, all those guys that locked up massive contracts. Drake Batherson, he signed a pretty good deal, but he's making less than $5 million, yet he's still a top six player. He's going to play on the top line with Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris. He's going to play on the top power play unit. He's a guy that was almost a point-per-game guy last season before he got hurt by, uh, I was going to say your over. guy, but you've you've disowned uh, Aaron Dell, so I won't put you in the Aaron Dell <laughs> fan club, but... Aaron Dell ruined a great season for Drake Batherson. He was Ottawa's named all-star. And he's someone that he can do it all. He's a dual threat, pass, shoot. He's great skating. He's great with the puck on a stick. So I think for especially fantasy purposes, that's a guy that might slip in uh, drafts and maybe guys overlook him, looking at the other kind of stronger names in Ottawa. But do not uh, kind of downplay what Drake Batherson can do. I think he's poised for a big season. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm going to go with Shane Pinto as mine because the whole reason you bring in all these players, these top six guys, is to push players down the lineup and create more depth. I think the Sens' third line, obviously we don't know what's going on with Alex Formanton, RFA right now, a part of that 2018 Team Canada that's being investigated. So we're going to wait and allow that process to go through and we'll judge accordingly. But with with or without Alex Formanton, Matthew Joseph really kind of made an impact when he came over in the Nick Paul trade from Tampa, 12 points in 11 games. And what was that adrenaline? And again, playing in a top six role, but I think that his speed will complement Shane Pinto, a guy who, who did make the team last year as a number two center, but then only made it five games while four got hurt, separated shoulder, tried coming back too early. And then on a face-off, popped it back out out for the year. So he missed a whole year of development, but he's been in Ottawa for the last month. He's 100%. I think he was getting kind of close at the end of the season. So he's had a full summer of training, and I think that that's a guy who can really come onto the scene. Is he going to be a Calder candidate? Probably not, especially with the role that he's been given. I think Jake Sanderson probably has more of a chance with the decor being what it is. But I expect kind of a 20-goal, 20-assist type season Great defensive minutes. There was a game in college where he won 22 out of 23 face-offs. I don't think <laughs> that's going to happen at the wow. NHL level, but he's certainly got some uh, pedigree and ability in the face-off circle. So I'm going to go with Shane Pinto as kind of an X-factor, as though if the Sens' third line can start outscoring other teams, then I think that's a huge recipe for success for them. All right. And finally, we didn't get, so we got your X factor, but I don't think Paterka is going to be a guy going like fifth, sixth, seventh round in fantasy drafts. Oh. Is yes. there a guy like, like we haven't talked at all about Dylan Cousins. Like what's the expectation like for him this year? I could see him being a guy to take a step. Yeah, he could. I don't know how big a step is there for him to take offensively, um, especially for fantasy purposes. 38 points last year. I could see that getting to 50, but okay. I don't see a, a crazy high ceiling for him. Um, but you never know. I mean, Thompson just did it. Something we never thought could happen. Yep. I, I, <laughs> I think Victor Olofsson's kind of like an easy answer for this okay. because he's been such a quality goal scorer, but I think he's probably deeper than a fifth, sixth rounder in fantasy, but 20 goals last year. And that was with a four month stretch where he didn't score. Yeah. Because four months. Four it was months. Bad. Yeah. And in part, it was because of the biggest reason. In fact, the whole reason I think he just, he screwed his wrist up Halloween last year. He screwed his wrist up and he's a shooter. It's all he does. It, he is a, a hired gun. The only thing he can do well is stand on the power play and just rip one timers. And he's phenomenal at it. But other than that, he's a very average hockey player. Yeah. He went last year, 
from was it Halloween? Yeah, it was Halloween to February fifteenth. So we are we're talking Halloween to Valentine's Day. Thirty-one games where he didn't score a goal, and again, I think I chalked that up to the wrist injury. The other right. forty-one games, though, he scored twenty goals. He scored 20 goals in the other 41 games. And before that, he was usually about a 30 goals per 82-game pace guy. And I think he gets there. I know he hasn't done it yet, put a whole season together where he scored 30 goals. But that shot is so lethal. They use him on the number one power play unit that I think Olsson, for goal scoring purposes, is going to present fantasy value this year. And then I would go Darlene over Owen Power. If Power might feel like the sexier pick because – he just showed up. He's new. You draft Owen Power in your fantasy league, and everybody in the room goes, ooh, Owen Power. Like, you get that reaction out of people. But I think Darlene's the better pick. I just don't think Power is going to have enough offensive zone starts and power play minutes with Darlene already here. Darlene is established as that dude is an amazing playmaker for the back end. He's your quarterback on the power play. When you're down one goal with a minute to go, he's the defenseman that you have out on the ice. And power can maybe work his way into some of those minutes too, but he will not be number one when it comes to those minutes. So because of that, I don't think power puts up the necessary points to have a ton of fantasy value this year. I think Darlene is the one that would have another step in him, even from where he's been 53 points last year, but that was with a bad first month and a half of the season. And the all-star break is really, I guess, where he hit his stride. He built his confidence up there, and he came back, and he looked dominant. So if he looks like the second half of the season, Darlene, for a whole year, I think we're talking 60 points uh, for Darlene with some chance that he could even reach as high as uh, 70. Heck, yeah. I love watching him play. Obviously, we followed the 2018 draft super closely with, with Ottawa having their first part of the rebuild, and we're super happy with Brady Kachuk, but Darlene – uh, awesome player as well. Final question for me. Who do Buffalo Sabres fans hate more, Chris Neal or Jack Eichel? Uh, at the moment, the answer is probably Jack Eichel. Yep. <laughs> I think we – did we do – I forgot what we called it. We did like a villains list uh, for Sabres, like all-time <laughs> recently. Yeah. And I think we had Eichel – do we have Eichel number two? I'm He's trying to remember be up one. there, yeah. I'm trying to remember who number Aaron one would Dell? have been. Um, <laughs> 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 he was, it was not Aaron Dell. No. Um, Man, I'm really going to struggle to remember this. Brett Tim Hall? Murray. Might have been Brett Hall. Yeah, Tim Brett Murray. <laughs> no, dude, Tim Murray. People like Tim Murray still. He's got the Oh, yeah, okay. It's solely because he was the most entered across He was very sports. entertaining, yes. Across all sports. We cover the NFL at our station, yeah. WGR in Buffalo, with the Bills, obviously. We cover the Sabres. There is no league executive coach ever that I have heard that is a more entertaining interview than Tim. I, there's yeah. a quote that, that sticks dude... out for me when uh, he, he got, I forget what ended up happening, but he was like, if you would have told me two years ago that we would have a Vander Kane, Robin Leonard and Ryan O'Reilly, I would have told you uh, that you're high or something yeah. like that. It was just no. like, Oh my God, that dude will tell you anything you want to know. And that was what made him a great interview. It's also why, it kind of rubbed people the wrong way in the organization. Cause he's just out there telling trade secrets to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, he might as well be tweeting him. So I, I, I loved him for that, but no, he was uh, not, not a very good GM. Um, Obviously he what was, was the question. He, well, he was hired as Ottawa's assistant GM or fr- from being Ottawa's assistant yeah. GM to get the job. In do Buffalo. you know, do you know what he's doing now? No do idea. You know this? 
He's not in hockey anymore. In fact, I don't Ooh. think he's been in hockey since the Sabres fired him. He has He is. He's racing horses in Florida. Whoa. Oh. And All he's right. winning. He's winning like millions of dollars. Like he's doing <laughs> nice. very well at it. So he's okay. like become an accomplished. I don't know what you call it. Like he 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 has horses that race. I don't know what. Yeah, not a jockey. A the jockey's are. the one who rides it, right? Although that'd be a funny visual if he were the one that actually would, riding the horses. Uh, but I don't be. think he's doing that. Uh, question was most hated player for the Buffalo Sabers. It's probably Eichel. Right now, yeah. it's probably Eichel. But that deal's looking good. Deal's yeah. looking good. Fans are very happy with it. That Vegas game in November, I think it's November 13th for the Sabres, it's going to be bonkers. <laughs> it was nuts. I was in the arena this past year for the, the Vegas game. It was nuts that game. Yeah. And none of it was really that mean-spirited. I always thought Eichel took it a little too far. He got He booed. takes things personally, eh? Yeah. But like, he got booed, but what do you expect? You were the face of the franchise during the worst era in the franchise's history. You're going to get booed when you touch the puck during the game. And honestly, when it was time to show respect, when that video tribute came up, it wasn't all cheers. I would estimate it was 80-20 cheers, though. I think when it was time to show respect, Sabre fans right. showed respect. Then he went out in post game yep. and he took a shot at the organization, multiple shots, at the organization or the fan base, not just the organization. Yeah. Yep. And that's when it really got fired up. So you're, if people thought that game was a crazy atmosphere, the next time he's in the building, it's going to be a circus. I cannot <laughs> wait for it right now. Yeah. He just because of honestly, strictly his post game comments. I think everyone would be past it by now. We would be over it, right. but he said, what he said, I've never heard it this loud in this place, which is obviously false. Of course it has been. Um, yeah, he he's he's number one. He's number one in the most hated list right now. That's sure. awesome. And on the other hand, when Buffalo finally comes to Ottawa in November and Craig Anderson hopefully gets a start, Ottawa hasn't been able to give him a send-off. The pandemic ended oh, his yeah. career in Ottawa, and then he was hurt during the – I wish he wasn't. Obviously, that was the game where Aaron Dell decided to be a hero. But <laughs> it, when, when Craig Anderson comes back to Ottawa – it's going to be a hundred percent cheers. I think they're going to cheer when he makes the first save of the game too. I think that there's that much respect. Yeah. He's by far the greatest goalie in Ottawa Senators history and, and led to some, some great runs. Yeah, that'll be cool. I, he's he, super cool dude. He's super likable. Um, and I didn't realize he hadn't had that send off that Vegas game. I'm referencing. He gave the fans that night. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's Saber. If Saber fans remember, they got outplayed in that game and they scored a couple goals, power play goal. Anderson stood on his head. He was Dude, the when he's one on, star. like there's oh, nobody yeah. like he, even at age 42, he, he reads the play better than any goalie. Like he yeah. comes across. It's unreal. Old school it, style. It was the best night to be in that arena all year. And it was mostly thanks to Craig Anderson, uh, just shutting down the, the, the golden Knights all night. I think you just made a few fans in Ottawa with that one, Joe. We appreciate you stopping by. Everyone go give him a follow on Twitter. We're going to put the tag up on our tweet as well. And make sure you're following Locked on Sabres wherever you get your podcast. Joe, we're doing this before the home opener, so it won't be long before we get you back on. We appreciate this, brother. Sounds good. Thanks, boys.